episode number 176, Slingshot, an original digital series. Welcome to Level 7, a podcast about Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's a magical place. Hello and welcome back to Welcome to Level 7. I'm Ben, Ben Avery, and I'm here once more to talk about the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And today, it's kind of a, a Christmas gift from the MCU. A Christmas gift from, well, honestly, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and the team that puts that together. And also a Christmas gift from Joe Quesada. Quesada. Potato, patata, let's call the whole thing off. Um, joining me today will be uh, Agent Stewart and Agent Evan, who will be helping me to talk about some news, and also uh, then Agent Samantha will be joining me to talk about the Slingshot episodes, the six of them that make up the one story uh, that were very, very short. There's no way we're doing one episode of podcast per episode of Slingshot. Uh, that just would have been kind of boring and redundant, but... We are talking about the entire thing right now in this episode. Agent Samantha is joining me for that. And then, post-credits, we will have uh, Evan and Stuart rejoin me to talk about the Spider-Man Homecoming trailer. Although, uh, you might notice while we are talking about the news that's going on, that we aren't really sure if that was the plan or not when we started the recording. It's the plan, though. It's totally the plan. And I guess I should say... It becomes the plan. You know, sometimes podcasting is like time travel. It's difficult. It's timey-wimey. Uh, it's confusing. But it's also fun. And so we're going to have some fun talking about Spider-Man Homecoming and that trailer. So without any further ado, I'm going to stop this introduction and jump in with the news with Evan and Stuart. Shield Intelligence Report. All right. So here we are. We've got news. I've got Evan. I've got Stuart. It's time news. for the news. Go. Okay. All right. News. So, news. Uh, okay, so you, you guys know that I'm a, lo- I'm a defender's lover in this, in this thing. And anytime there's news of anything surrounding the Netflix series, i got to talk about it. So this first thing is the um, showrunner for the Iron Fist show. It's coming to uh, Netflix uh, early next year, March, I think. Right, guys? March? Um, The showrunner for Iron Fist is going to be the showrunner for um, the Inhumans that's coming later this year. Um, That's really interesting because that, to me, is a direct significance that um, ABC is really trying to pull in um, the Netflix style of things yeah. for, um, for uh, the ABC broadcast television. Yeah. Now this guy has worked on a lot of the, he worked on six feet under, he worked on Rome, he worked on Dexter. Um, he also, uh, he, he also worked on uh, coach. <laughs> so there's that. Well, Yes. And and he wrote the script for Tremors 4, The Legend Begins. Oh, man. 
Now I stopped watching Tremors after the first one because if it ain't if it ain't got Kevin Bacon, it ain't got Tremors. Well, you know, to me, if it ain't got Michael Gross, it ain't Tremors. <laughs> and Tremors Four had Michael Gross, but it's like his uh, his ancestor in the old west. And I honestly, <laughs> I I really want to see Tremors Four. Now I've seen Tremors Five, the beginning of that. That's terrible, even oh though it has God. Michael Gross. But Tremors Four. It's an old West versus Tremors or whatever the monster thingies are called. I've never was, seen a Tremors movie, but my wife has. The first one is worth seeing for sure. Yeah. Yeah. He's got Kevin Bacon in it. Come on. But you need to see Dune first because they totally ripped off Dune. Yeah. Well. It's like they said, hey, what if we took <laughs> Dune and got rid of all the space stuff and all the political intrigue stuff and all of the drug references? Well, not all of them. But so really, you just want lizards in the desert, right? Yeah, just the just sandworms. We can just keep the sandworms. So <laughs> anyway, um, so yeah, he's um, this, this guy has been around. He I'm um, looking at his IMDb page. Um, he's got a credit from 1990 on Newhart for as a production assistant. So he's been in the business for a long time. I'm excited for this. Rome is. I kind of feel like Rome might have been the reason he got this job uh, because Rome seems mm. to be like this, you know, uh, the, the show is very much about a family and this inhuman thing seems about the royal family. Rome was about a royal family. So we'll see what oh, happens. Yeah. And then Spider-Man 2. So this is the third Spider-Man 2 movie, right? I was trying to keep track. <laughs> How many Spider-Man 2s have we had? Yeah, this will be number three. Uh, yes. Uh, uh, so the trailer got released like like yesterday or the day before, a couple of days ago, and now they've already set uh, Spider Man Two, Spider Man Homecoming Two. I think is the official way we're. That's what they're it calling it right now. Yeah, I can't imagine. <laughs> oh my goodness! I can't imagine that's what they're going to keep. I, I, I got to think it's at least Spider Man Prom or something, but <laughs> Spider Man Homecoming. <laughs> Uh, so, so yes, it has a release date of, um, July of 2019, I think I, I should, I should know this better seeing as I am the, the, the news guy, but it's late. (laughs) (laughs) This Uh, is weird. Go ahead. This is weird. Why is it weird? I mean, I understand. I mean, they've plotted out where all the MCU movies are going to be and where all the Star Wars movies, but. You know, I, I, I know that the only reason they dropped this news was because the trailer got so many views. That yes. Spider-Man Homecoming yeah. trailer was a hit. And they said, hey, yeah, well, let's capitalize on that. There'll be another well, one. Spider-Man, Spider-Man is the goose that lays the golden eggs, man. Um, yeah, yeah. And sometimes it lays a stinky egg, too. Spider-Man 3. I actually enjoyed Spider-Man 3. Spider-Man 3 isn't as bad as everyone says it is, but it's not as good as it should have been or could have been. Same with Amazing Spider-Man 2. Yes, even though I do enjoy that one too. July 5th, 2019 is the release date. So 4th of July weekend. July 5th, 2019. (laughs) Yes. 2019. Good grief. So... I hope that the movie is as good as the trailer was. Well, we're going to talk about the trailer. 
Yes, we you haven't talked about. We're going to talk about so the trailer. Talk I, about I, trailer. I, I think we should talk about the trailer in the post credits. I know we didn't say we're going to do it in the post credit, but it just feels like a post credit thing to do. Well, so, okay, fine. you just want to talk about your news story. My news story is now, well, you're the news guy, so go ahead and say it. Well, dear listener, I want you to know <laughs> that that uh, your faithful host Ben was like reluctant to talk about this. And if you've listened to this up to this show for any amount of time, you're going to ask yourself, really? Ben was just being humble. Um, because R.L. Stein, R.L. Stein, um, R.L. Stein. <laughs> I don't really go ahead. Keep going. Um, keep going. I don't love um, it's not goose keep going. I'll I'll give y- my commentary a- in a moment. <laughs> I'll give my commentary in a moment. Go. Make it happen. Y A author R. L. Stein. R. L. Stein. <laughs> anyway, sorry, go ahead. The leads I mean, it's buried now. It's like six feet under. Uh <laughs> That's bringing it back full circle. Now, R.L. Stein is going to write Man-Thing for Marvel. It's a Man-Thing series for Marvel Comics. There are, and, well, for the comics, I thought this is not an MCU thing? No. No. Oh, I see. Okay, well. No. What, but what there, are you talking about on this podcast? There are two people. There are two people that I would like to see write Man-Thing. And one of those people is is me, and <laughs> right. the other person is anybody else. <laughs> so they 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 got my second person to do this. <laughs> so now here's the thing: my childhood connection to R.L. Stein is not Goosebumps. Goosebumps came along. I, I'm not sure how old I was exactly. I did I didn't become aware of it until I worked at Barnes and Noble at the end of my college career and and then the beginning of my marriage. And that's when I was selling, you know, goosebumps to kids. And it's like, wow, this is a, this is a big thing. R.L. Stein is the writer of choose your own adventure, rip off twist of plots. Really? Yeah. Yeah. And I had, as a child, a couple of those twist a plot books. And it was, uh, the, the one that I had that I remember the most was time Raider. And this book was, you know, choose your own adventures. First book was the cave of time, which, mm-hmm. you know, was a time travel thing. And the, the twist a plots first book was the time Raider, which was the one that, <laughs> it put you in a time loop because you know, how choose your own adventures work. You know, it says, if you want to do this, turn to page this, if you want to do this, turn to page that. And sometimes they don't give you a choice They just say, turn to this page. And they put you in a time loop where it says like, you are now caught in a time loop. There is no hope for you. Turn to page 97. You turn to page 97. It says time loops are really horrible. You, you're never going to be able to get out of this. Turn to page 83. You turn to page 83. You are now caught in a time loop. Turn to page 97. Turn to page 97. So it just has you switching between the two pages. I thought it was so brilliant when I was in third grade. I still think it's a little bit of brilliant right now. But that's my connection to R.L. Stein. And now I have another connection to R.L. Stein. And that is that he's writing this Man Thing series, which may be terrible. It honestly might be terrible, but I'm not kidding anybody. I'm going to be buying it and I'll be talking about it. <laughs> 
on probably on the comic book time machine pod, podcast for sure. At least so, so the comic book time machine podcast. In the in the article that that uh, we can link to. In the first story, Man Thing heads to Burbank, California, wondering why he is not starring in a major motion picture. Oh my! Parentheses. Comic book purists may balk at one revision to the character. Man Thing will no longer be mute. He can talk, and he's very sarcastic. Mister Stein noted. And there is the MCU connection. You know this comic book, Burbank, California. The, no, why isn't he in a movie? He's going to California to find out why he's not in a movie. Boom. <laughs> MCU and, connection. And Robin has to explain to the higher ups why or what a man thing is. There you go. Uh, Maria Hill. You Robin. Robin has to explain it. Yeah, yeah. Maria Hill. <laughs> you you can. Yes, Maria Hill. Uh, yeah. So so that, that there's there's. Uh, We'll There's call that. It service. <laughs> so anyway, yeah, there it is. It's been said. It's out there. People know about it now. I love yes. Swamp Monsters. The two two of Ben's two of Ben's authors are, are gonna or one of one of the two of Ben Ben's authors are gonna <laughs> write for Man Thing, and it's not Ben. It's not me. It's out I'd there. love to see you write for Man Thing, though, buddy. That would be awesome. I I hope so. I would hope that it would be awesome, but yeah. <laughs> then it's like, well, no, you're a fan, and it's terrible because you're being a fan. So <laughs> who knows? To be oh. fair, I think Kevin Feige's a fan, right? You don't yeah. have yeah. you don't have this much, you know, love. The love comes out in all of this stuff. You don't have that unless you know it, right? Yeah, and there's things that I've written that I've been fans of. And mm-hmm. or, no, I haven't been fans of. I've been a fan of those things, um, mm-hmm. like the Oz Wonderland Chronicles that I wrote. I mean, I I love the Oz books and the Wonderland books, but yeah. So that's the news. So there you go. That's the news. We are going to take a break. Well, mm-hmm. by we I mean you two are going to take a break. I'm going to talk about Slingshot with Samantha, and then after the credits, we are going to come back with Evan and Stuart to talk about the Spider-Man Homecoming trailer. And let's do it. All right. Mission report. Okay. So I am here now with Samantha and we are ready to do the, uh, the main topic of the episode slingshot and joining me is agent Samantha. Hey, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. And this is, a unique little thing we got here. Uh, yes, it is. Yes. Uh, almost like a Christmas present or something from, <laughs> from agents of shield. Uh, what'd you think of this when when it first came up that this was happening? What did you think we were going to get? And did this come close to what you thought we were going to get? Um, I was just expecting a, an episode, um, or a series of ep- short episodes with, uh, yoga. And that's what we got. <laughs> that we did. <laughs> so, yes. When your I expectations no more... are vague, you're yeah. <laughs> you're, you're going to get your 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 wish. So yes, yeah, <laughs> which is which is nice. But I just kind of wanted extra warning. Um, that seems to be ABC's strategy right now with advertising for um, 
Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and anything related is just, you know, let you know when the next thing is coming out. Right before it comes out. Right. Yeah. And I wonder how much of that is like they're trying to just, you know, if they do it this way, you don't have to remember it later on. But I don't get it. I mean, it it came out and and I think that there's been some uh, promotion with it, you know, in like Marvel.com. And definitely on the ABC website. Um, But yeah, this was just kind of a weird thing out of nowhere. And here's a bonus episode. Yeah. I'm trying to figure it out because it doesn't feel like an episode. It feels like half an episode. It it feels like an episode that's missing its its B plot. Because it's all just yo-yo and what what she's doing. And if this had been an actual episode on ABC on on Tuesday night at 10 o'clock, we would have had some other shenanigans going on with at least one other character. And instead, we just got the yo-yo shenanigans, which isn't a bad thing. No. Then I see sponsored by Geico, and I'm wondering, okay, well, is this something that they pulled together specifically to as a promotional piece that, that Geico could get the commercial? You know, because every episode had slingshot Geico, the Geico commercial. Now I watched it on the ABC app. I don't know what it was like on any of the other platforms where they were showing it, but was this a thing where Geico said, Hey, we want to do something with Marvel. So people will watch it and hear about Geico, you know, which is how advertising works. And was it that kind of thing? And then I see it was directed. All these episodes were directed by Joe Casada, who is editor in chief at Marvel. Or was editor-in-chief at Marvel. Yeah. Yeah. And so he started out as a comic book artist and and writer and creator. And he had a couple of creator-owned things that he was doing. And then he was working with Marvel. And they have a, a video interviewing him about this whole process. And that was really, really interesting because he's talking about how, you know, I was planning to do my comics and then eventually turn around and work in television or film. And it never happened because I stuck with Marvel and became the editor in chief. And, and he says, everything went full circle. And here I am doing, you know, directing this. And then they showed, he storyboarded the whole thing, but he storyboarded every frame, like a full on comic book panel. And it looks great. Like I would buy that book because it's those storyboards look like he just did a comic book about Colson and, and Daisy and Yo-Yo and Mac, and they look really, really good. And you know, it's, he's storyboarding, you know, conversations and storyboarding like Colson walking down the stairs and, and stuff like that, which uh, he admits fully that he storyboarded more than he needed to uh, <laughs> and, and put more, more detail yeah. into it than he needed to. But that was just because that's the way he does things. That's the way he draws. And, uh, it, it's really neat. If you get a chance to see that it's on, it's on the, the website, but yeah, it just, the whole thing is just kind of a, a head scratcher. And so then my thing is, okay, well I can scratch my head all day long. Is it going to be good? <laughs> and, and that's what I, my hope was, okay, at least be good, you know, and, and maybe have a reason for existing in the story. You know, whatever advertising it might be and whatever deals are going on that's causing them to make this thing, give it a reason to exist 
because of something the story does. And I feel like it does that a little bit, but we'll, we'll talk about that when we, when we get to the story here. But yeah. And, and the other thing was they said episodes three minutes to six minutes long and they weren't lying. Uh, the first one was five minutes. The second one was almost four. The third one was six minutes and eight seconds. The fourth one is 446. The fifth one is three minutes, 38 seconds. And the sixth one is three minutes, 45 seconds. And those include uh, credits running at the end of every episode with our Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. theme. But it comes out to like 23 minutes total. It's a it's a quick watch. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I'm curious as why they didn't make it one solid episode as opposed. I mean, I I would have rather had it be a solid 23 minute episode as opposed to spending time watching the credits six times. Yeah. You know? I, that's the other curiosity that I'm scratching my head about is yeah. Why not just be a 23 minute or a 20 minute if you're going to take out, you know, six of the credits or five of the credits anyway. Sure. Yeah. Um, it's, it's a one shot almost, mm-hmm. you know, with that length and yeah, why not uh, just be one thing? And the only thing I can figure is that it wasn't intended to be dumped all at once. Like I could imagine them planning to have this be spread out, you know, week by week by week. And then um, I don't know. It, it's like I said, there's so much about this that just doesn't make sense other than, well, this is the way it's been done before, maybe. Yeah. I hate it when uh, series come out on the web and they're five minute long episodes because, and then I have to wait a whole week for the next episode. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, really, do I really want to spend my time on this? I, I just don't feel connected with those short episodes. But with this series, I, I've, I'm already in, um, emotionally invested with the characters. So maybe it does work a little bit this way better this way but i just would have preferred a solid 20 minute episode as opposed to um something that's a bit shorter Uh, unless you think about it like this as far as the time that you're spending watching it these are six acts basically six acts where you have the commercial break now every commercial every commercial break that you're going to get here is credits (laughs) for agents of shield slingshot and a Geico commercial. And, but, you know, it's it's just like watching a regular episode just with a greater frequency of commercials. Because, you know, three minutes and then bam, credits, bam, commercial and the next episode. Yeah, I would, would not have minded um, short breaks with like one or two ads. Um, the problem with, uh, on demand and online streaming is, uh, as compared to, um, live broadcast on television, um, you don't with online viewing, uh, and people cutting the cord, you have less opportunity for ads. And that's one reason why, um, um, ratings or viewing of, um, online episodes are never released is because they don't want to release those numbers because they don't want to show how much money they're losing by not having something on a format that cannot have that advertisement. So they want to bring people back to television as much as possible, but I don't think that's going to happen at least easily. No. And that is, 
yeah, the, that's the the giant riddle that no one has really been able to solve is how do we take the streaming and and turn a profit with it? And because obviously advertising is the primary profit for for broadcast television. And how do they translate? And they haven't figured it out yet. And I don't know. I don't know if there is a solution. CBS, I really am not excited about that with their CBS Go app or whatever it's going to be being the only place where you'll be able to watch the new Star Trek series next year. Mm-hmm. Uh, you'll The first episode will air on CBS on TV, and that's how it will premiere. And then the next day, they'll start releasing them weekly on their website. But you have to subscribe to their website. And... I look at that and just think to myself, well, (laughs) I'm already subscribed to Netflix, Hulu. Um, I got Amazon Prime. Now, that's I usually use that more for music and for free delivery, two-day delivery, than I do for streaming. But one more service just for one show. I just I don't I don't like that idea. So yeah, there. I mean, but everyone's trying to figure out what's the way to do this. How do we? How do we do this? So meanwhile, we get this thing with our six episodes here and it's, well, let's, let's talk about it. Let's, let's get into it. Um, we've got six episodes. The first one is called Vendetta. And basically we, we start right after uh, the final episode of, um, well, the winter finale episode rather of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Daisy's back on the team. She's getting back into training and she and Yo-Yo have a conversation that they need to get their stories straight about what happened on that day. And I call this one the Coulson episode because then they go into flashback where Coulson is coming in and he talks to, to, um, to Yo-Yo about her signing the Sokovia Accords and gives her a pin that belonged to big name drop. Peggy Carter and we see that she is looking for a man and here's another connection this is kind of a weird one but this guy was in um, he was in Bouncing Back one of the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. episodes and he played the same character Colonel Victor Ramon Uh, his name is Yancey Arias I might be saying that wrong but I'm just going to try and uh, just (laughs) say it with confidence as Daniel would ask me to do but He was in a show years ago that was one of the first uh, network miniseries that kind of was not one of the first ever, but kind of one of the first in kind of the the new um, the the new I guess series of of network miniseries that were coming on weekly, one hour, but intended to be six episodes. And he played the the main character in that, and that show was called Kingpin, and he was the Kingpin in that show. So I thought it was kind of a fun little Marvel connection. Mm. That, not really a Marvel connection, but close to it. It's Marvel adjacent connection. I'll say that. Yes. It's it's another degree yeah. to closer to Marvel. So I don't know if we want to go episode by episode and talk about them or if we want to just blast through all of the, the little plots here and then talk about it at the end. But um, because there's not a lot to these episodes, except for this one gives us a nice little moment between... Uh, Yo-Yo and and Coulson and giving her that pin 
welcoming her to the team and, and saying, you know, this is to remind you, you belong with us. You have a place with us. Uh, yeah, I just also wanted to say, going back to the present day bookend, um, Daisy, if you if you noticed in the uh, last Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. episode, I pointed out that all this season, Daisy has been wearing really heavy eyeliner. And in this uh, in slingshot, she uh, in present day when she's boxing, uh, she's back to her previous season's eyeliner level. So it's yeah, it's it's not crazy anymore. <laughs> I wonder if they're using that as as a visual cue to her internal uh, state of affairs. I guess. Yeah, I, I definitely. Um, you find that a lot in costuming uh, and makeup. You. Um, what you see on the outside is supposed to portray what's going on the inside of a person most of the time. Yeah. When you're watching TV, you, you should be judging some of those books by their covers. Now in real life, you see someone like that. Don't make the assumption, but on TV, uh, it's intentional. It's on purpose. Mm -hmm. So anyway, um, we also get a little bit of a, an idea uh, of their friendship. I mean, they, uh, during the early part of the season here, uh, we saw Yo-Yo going out on a limb with, with, uh, trying to connect with, with, uh, with Quake and, and trying to talk to her and, and help her out and bring her the stuff that she needed to, um, you know, not be in as much pain and that kind of thing. So it's, you know, this is a natural continuation of that. And of course, now we have the mystery, the mystery of what happened on that day. And that they need to get their stories straight suggests there's some, you know, nefarious shenanigans that'll be happening soon in one of these episodes. So, or more. <laughs> Going back to the overall story structure to the series, um, another great purpose that it serves is that it helps to, to, uh, to tie up light, loose ends uh, that we didn't necessarily get in the series, but it doesn't take time away from the main series to tie them up. Yeah, that's true. They alluded to a lot of stuff that, that Yo-Yo was doing. And this is giving us a little bit of a, a glimpse into that and into the beginnings of how she and Quake connected. Because when we jump into the beginning of the season, she's already been, been meeting up with, with Quake and and this is kind of that first meetup that they have and kind of accidental. Although I have some questions about that when we get to it. But okay. yeah, so episode two is called John Hancock. And I call this one the Mace episode because this is when she comes in, talks to Mace. He's very friendly. Oh, wait, 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 wait. We didn't talk about um, Colson and Yogo in their conversation. Well, we talked a little bit about it with the pin. Mm -hmm. what, what, well, go ahead. Well, there's a couple things I caught uh, while watching it. Um, there's uh, in that common room area, um, there's a poster on the wall. It says suspect it, report it, <laughs> which um, it, it um, kind of reminds me of the Cold War. Um, and a lot of things you would hear with the uh, um, things going on behind the the Iron Curtain. It also reminds me of of nine eleven and and New York afterward, where there were signs up like that. If you see suspicious activity, report it. And 
then that takes me to Ghostbusters, the the new one, where they they put something up where it was it says something like see something unusual, call this number, and so they had all these people like reporting uh, duffel bags that had been abandoned on the street, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so like calling their number, and yeah, yeah. And uh, did you also catch that um, Coulson had a picture of Stan Lee in his box? I did not. Yeah, when he reaches in for Peggy's medal, um, you can see the contents inside of his box, and there's Stan Lee making his cameo without actually making a cameo. Uh, he's making the Netflix cameo. That's yes. the way he's doing it there, but <laughs> I did not notice that. Now, he was carrying the axe. I noticed the axe that he mm-hmm. was carrying, but... His good luck charm. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Huh. I'm going to have to go back and rewatch again. Because, yeah, I'm, I completely missed that. It went by so fast that at first I thought it was like a bobblehead or a uh, pop art <laughs> figure. But then on the rewatch, I, I noticed, no, it, it's a framed picture. <laughs> huh. Okay, yeah, I totally missed that mm-hmm. one. Wow, okay. Uh, if you weren't a host, I'd give you a no prize right now. But <laughs> I don't give no prizes to hosts. Sorry. Oh, darn. Yeah. yeah. Moving on. So now episode two, John Hancock, the Mace episode. Uh, Mace is really friendly. He's a nice guy. Kind of. <laughs> you get the impression that he's very practiced at being nice. And he's mm-hmm. convincing her to sign the the accords and so when she does because this is a chance to do some good she signs puts the thumbprint gives the retina scan and then she wants to go off on this mission to find this guy that she has the vendetta against and he won't let her because you know that's not the way they do things there's bureaucracy you need to put this in front of uh people to find out if there's any governmental restrictions that'll be involved or um you know, we can't have enhanced individuals just choosing their own missions. And if you fit the mission, you'll you'll be able to go. And he says, D- you did read the Accords, right? And then he says, this was interesting. If she goes on the mission on her own and just goes ahead and does it, she is risking detainment on the raft. Which just made its appearance in, uh, in Civil, Civil War. War. So... On her way out, she uses her powers to steal Mace's ID card because her own card didn't work when she was trying to look up some information. And so she gets Mace's ID card so he she can use that to access information about this this uh, Ramon guy. So, yeah. So this is the point in time when uh, you, Samantha, can hate on Mace some more. Um, and I'm pretty sure I also speak for Stuart when I say <laughs> I hate Mace. I really do not like Mace. He is, he's Washington shady. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't like him. I know. I, I just, I, I feel like I can give him the benefit of the doubt. And I don't know if it's because, because he was in that one time travel show that I really liked. And I just, I, he's a nice guy in real life. I think. Oh, I'm sure he is. I'm sure he. All the best villains are played by the nicest guys. Yeah. Well, yeah, I will. I will not go so far as to call him a villain. Not yet. Not yet. Oh. Not yet. Antagonist. 
definitely or anti-protagonist you could call him maybe but that's what antagonist means yeah <laughs> yeah but yeah. With, a, with a nicer sheen to it i guess so. well an antagonist doesn't necessarily mean a bad guy um for example in civil war um where um uh uh, Captain America and Iron Man were antagonists of each other, but neither of them were the bad guy. Yeah, we can talk about that too sometime because I, they, they definitely, yeah, they, they play, they pay lip service to the whole. They both have a point, but clearly there's one side you're supposed to be on. I'm on both their sides, and and actually, I, w- I was glad to hear that you had seen Civil War before this episode before this slingshot thing, because they reference that thing all over the place, especially here with the raft and the accords and she's signing the accords. Like that's one of the whole things that this is wrapped around is her signing the accords and just, you know, telling them that she will run missions for them and she will not be a bad guy or go rogue like, like quake. And then she steals Mace's ID card right afterward. (laughs) So it's because she has her own agenda and she, she will lie through her teeth to get what she wants. Uh, but that does not make her a bad guy. No. And also does not make her a good liar, which <laughs> we will find out in the May episode. But for the, for this one, I, it's interesting. It does give us some insight that we didn't get in, in the series really about what the, how the accords affected everyday life for enhanced individuals who are, going to go to work for shield um with you know sign here thumbprint here this is what it means for you this is what it means for us and this is what it means if you break your contract uh it was really interesting and then we get some of the questions that she has about you know freedom and and giving up freedoms and that sort of thing and i almost get the impression that the only reason she signed the accords was to get ramon if he was not a part of the picture, if she was not trying to uh, avenge her cousin, she wouldn't have signed it necessarily. She might have, but I do feel like the primary motivation for her to do it right now is because of her cousin and because she thinks she'd be able to go on the mission to stop this bad guy. I think that she is, well, if you remember her backstory in Colombia, she was the vigilante fighting against corrupt police. And I think she still is sort mm-hmm. of in that mode where she will do what she feels is necessary, even if it breaks the law and the rules in order to get what she knows needs, needs to be done, done. Yeah. And we'll definitely get more into his position, but she hated the fact, and, and this kind of fits into the whole conversation with Mace here. Uh, these were people who had authority and they abused their authority in, in Colombia. And now she has these other people in a different kind of authority, but still in her mind, I think abusing their authority with, with the way Mace was doing things and with the, the, the accords and the way that those work. So there is a connection there. Uh, that's not just, uh, Oh, here's one bad guy. and oh, here's someone else we don't trust very much. It's, there's there's thematic linkage between what she was dealing with in Colombia and what she's dealing with now in the states. Yeah, but now this 
Now this time she's the one with the badge and the authority. Yes, and that comes up. <laughs> so in episode three, Progress, uh, I call this one the Fitzsimmons episode. And she goes in to do her medical exam, which is still a part of the Accords. Uh, Fitzsimmons are going to give her the exam and also give her a watch with GPS that can track her. And if she takes it off, they're going to instantly send a rescue team, um, which honestly, there's the threat. You know, you're the GPS. If you take the watch off, so you're off GPS. Yeah, we'll send a rescue team because a bad guy has obviously gotten to you. Or we'll send a rescue team who are going to apprehend you because you're taking off this watch. But anyway, as they're doing this exam, she uses Mace's card to get information about where uh, Ramon is. And because he's going to do a weapons deal in in the States in, uh, was it, where was it? Uh, Baltimore. Is that right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so she figured this out. But meanwhile, there's lots of uh, cute bickering between Fitz and Simmons about the you know the possibility of um, <laughs> yeah it, it's cute they're they're doing their thing. Uh, Fitz comes off a little bit aggressive with the watch, and you almost feel I I, I almost feel like he's in a different show than he normally is in, where he's he's like I'm giving you this great gadget, but watch out. You know, like, and you better wear it, kind of thing. And it's not quite that aggressive, as aggressive as my voice went just now. But there, he, he was, he was aggressive, and I, I felt a little uncomfortable that he's, you know, kind of talking to her like this. But I mean, he's just giving her the information, but he's interpreting that script. Uh, he, he's going big with it. He's going big. Well, you have to remember that he's um, also frustrated that Simmons doesn't want to get this giant TV. By the way, I have had one of those TVs. You need two strong men to carry one of them. Um, the upside is that it's less likely to get stolen because you need two very <laughs> strong men to carry it. Um, but the other is, is it literally is the size of a wall. Um, and... It's um, at the foot of your bed. It's also really overwhelming to watch TV. Um, it's great to watch movies on because the um, you have fewer close-ups, but TV, it's really overwhelming because you have <laughs> someone's giant head at the foot of at your the foot of your bed or in your living room. <laughs> yeah, and this is though that we're doing a flashback here, so we're getting the origin mm -hmm. story of why they decided to start <laughs> looking for an apartment off campus because Yo-Yo planted the idea. <laughs> yeah. Not that we needed it uh, to be defined for us and, and put up on the screen for us, but it's cute and it's a nice little scene that she has with them. And the whole idea of her trying to you know stand so they can't see the monitor as she's downloading <laughs> the information and waiting for that percentage to move. And it's a very low stakes version of what we see in lots of movies where they're waiting for the the bar to make it all the way across the progress bar, uh, which I just thought of. I guess that explains our title here, Progress, where she's watching the progress of her download to get that information about Ramon and find out where he is. And it's cute. It's fun. And it's it's Fitzsimmons. So I guess their segment yeah. would be the cute and fun one, right? 
Yes, because actually, I think that not just um, Simmons is the heart of the show. I think Fitz is as well. Um, they're two parts of the heart. Yeah, I would agree and, with that. I definitely yeah. would agree with that. Uh, then we end this episode with Mac. And they talk. It's cute. He's leaving to go on his mission with Coulson. Because Coulson, by the way, earlier, part of their conversation was that she was not happy that he wasn't going to be director anymore. She liked him as director. Um, but Mac was going to go with Coulson and they're both going to be looking for Quake. It's kind of understood that they were doing that. And she brings up the fact that Mac loves rules. And, uh, that's a problem because she's breaking rules, but I mean, she's holding in her pocket right now, the director's credentials. And, mm-hmm. <laughs> and then we get an effect shot of the Quinjet leaving. And again, I'm scratching my head. Like I'm thinking to myself, this is, is this stock footage or was this budgeted for this? Cause it's a really nice shot. At least I thought it was a panning shot of the, the landing bay uh, as the Quinjet is taking off and going through the, the opening at the top of the building. And it was, it was a nice shot. And then it pans around to yo-yo. Um, so it's it's incorporating people and other elements into the the scene and yeah i'm surprised by the budget here well i'm also wondering if some of the elements of the people moving and the quinjet taking off i'm wondering if those elements were recycled from previous shield episodes but because you know this is now the 21st century and we have a uh, cgi uh, that they could take those elements and compile them into a new scene. Yeah, yeah. Uh, now, I would just watched uh, Star Trek VI with my kids, and there's a scene where a Klingon bird of prey explodes gloriously. And I, I told my kids, yeah, they use that like 10 times on Star Trek Next Generation because <laughs> they didn't have to pay for it. You know, they already owned the the footage, and... You know, as soon as you see it, you're, oh, Star Trek Six Bird of Prey just exploded. But I don't know if it was really 10 times, but they, they did reuse that footage because it's expensive. But you're right. It is not as expensive to, like, move a, a person from one side of the, the scene to another side um, because it is a CGI element and it's just a rendering time thing for for something that's already been created. So, Yeah. Um, I think they also did the same thing with Battlestar Galactica where they pulled like some stock footage in from another show or did another show pull Battlestar? Yeah. There was a couple movies yeah. that, that pulled in the, the effects from Battlestar Galactica. Um, one of them was featured on Mr. Science Theater and I watched it with my kids and we're like, yep, there's. Oh, yeah, that's it. Yeah. It, yeah it's right. amazing that <laughs> they don't even try and hide <laughs> it because, well, how can you? I mean. you're just using someone else's footage but and that's not uncommon they used to do that a lot uh steven spielberg actually signed a contract with um i'm not sure if it was jaws where they wouldn't be able to do that with his shark footage from jaws because they took his movie he he did a made for tv movie called duel and they took all of the vehicle stunt work because it's about a, a a semi truck driver basically stalking a guy in his car on a cross country well he's trying driving home but they took all the stunt footage and used it in an episode of the incredible hulk 
and just just uh, they would they just changed out (laughs) the close-ups and yeah i mean it's a great cost-cutting thing to do back in the day when you especially when people didn't have vcrs so how many people are going to remember i saw that exact truck from this made for tv steven spielberg movie from five years ago yeah so we end this episode with may and she mm-hmm. says the director's credentials are missing. And so episode four is called Reunion or the May episode. And May and Yo-Yo have a conversation about how sloppy she was. Yo-Yo lies and lies and tries and tries to just hold up the story until she realizes there's no way out of this. Because when she did the search for Ramon, she didn't do anything to clear her search history. <laughs> and how <laughs> And it was very obvious that she was the one who had stolen the the credentials. And so she gets on a jet thinking she's going home, but instead this jet, the Quinjet, is going to Baltimore. And May totally knows what she's doing, and May is pretty much okay with letting her do it and is actually kind of, um, what's the word I'm looking for? She's allowing it. She she's not just allowing it. She's she's uh, letting it happen and making it happen. And so then, uh, Yo Yo goes and interrupts the the weapons deal, and catches Ramon and says, you know, confronts him about what he did wrong. And she, he's he says we were the law. She says you abused your power. And then he says, from where I'm standing right now, you're the one abusing your power. And then she gets knocked out. And that's that episode. Oh. Going back to May, those last few seconds of the uh, Quinjet's door um, bay closing, and you could see her face, and she has the smile. And yeah, I just fell in love with May all over again. She's, I mean, talk about you know somebody who would be great as a director of Shield. Yeah, yeah, she, she would. would be perfect. Um, huh. Because I mean, she she knows how to bend the rules for everyone's benefit. She she's letting Yogo do this because she knows that if Yogo doesn't do this, it's going she's going to get herself into bigger trouble later. Um, because right now she's sort of in a a transition mode, and you can sometimes when you're in transition mode, you can get away with more stuff than you would on one side or the other of the transition. I also get the impression that maybe May is sending her out to do this because it's just something she needs to, like you said, get it out of her system or mm-hmm. not act on it. You know, she needs to figure out how, what kind of a person she's going to be, what kind of an agent she's going to be. She's got this vengeance on her mind. How is she going to handle that? What is she going to do with her anger, with her pain? And, you know, May's been there before. But yes. the other thing I have to say, though, is. This is May with the smile, and it's real May with the smile, not fake May with the smile. I'm just gonna throw that out there. It's May smiling, but it's we don't get that often. It's not LMD May smile because our last May smile that we saw right, was LMD right. May. She was smiling, right. but it wasn't her. I was glad to see that because of the connection that those two had then, and it's kind of fun as Yo-Yo realizes, oh. This is going to Baltimore. Oh, cool. (laughs) So then episode five, Deal Breaker, I called the Quake episode because Quake is in it more than she was in that first episode. But uh, 
we find out that there's this weapons deal is with the watchdogs as a weapon for the war on inhumans. It's a powerful weapon. It's a, a 187, as we used to call them, maybe. Um, but they're going to use it to execute Yo-Yo to show how it works. But then there's an earthquake. and <laughs> We know what's happening now. And we get some fighty fight fight. And we get the opportunity then for uh, Yo-Yo to hold the gun and cock the gun and say, this is justice. And then cut to credits. I, I, when I was watching this, I almost, for some reason, it did not immediately start playing episode six. So when they left on that, uh, this is justice oh. ending, <laughs> I was like, this is it. This is how they're going to end this. <laughs> <laughs> I thought this was supposed to be a one shot. <laughs> there better be a follow up. Yeah. 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 No, they don't end it there. But she doesn't shoot him. A watchdog comes with the weapon and he fires it. She uses her power. We get a repeat of the Force Awakens opening scene where <laughs> Kylo Ren stops the laser beam in midair. Only this is because she's a speedster. She runs, gets the thing out of the watchdog guy's hands. And it also happens to mean that she's out of the way of the blast. And the blast hits Ramon. And, you know... I liked the glance between May and Yo-Yo earlier. I love the look between Ramon and Yo-Yo here. And then he dies gruesomely. Gruesomely. That was a nasty little splat. And then Quake and Yo-Yo say their goodbyes. And Quake says, if I need your help, I'll find you. And she takes off. The Quinjet is coming. And then we... I felt like I missed something here because then we cut right back, right back to uh, to Daisy and and Yo-Yo in the present day. And this is the question I had. So what happened then? Did she leave or was she there when the Quinjet comes and they, they come and get her? Uh, Daisy? No, I mean, uh, Yo-Yo, because Daisy left. Daisy's out of there. Mm -hmm. And Yo-Yo tells her, you know, they're they're tracking your seismic activity. So then the whole thing with Daisy and Yo-Yo is that they're erasing from the records that the GPS records that Yo-Yo was ever in that building at that moment. And so did she just leave the weapon and take off? And then it just looks like uh, Quake did all this. I don't know. I, I don't understand exactly what the how Yo-Yo got out of that situation. Yeah, that uh, transition between um, six months previous, I'm going to guess that this was May or June um, of 2016, shortly after uh, Civil War. Um, so that, you know, that cut between then versus the present day, uh, that really confused me. Um, yeah. and I was like, at first I was like, okay, how did, uh, how did Daisy get back into the shield base? Um, and then <laughs> yeah. I realized that, oh no, this is present day. And why on earth are they just now erasing, um, Yo-Yo's data six months down the road? Well, because Yo-Yo didn't have a hacker six months ago. True. But yes. I mean, they, they said they, they aren't going to get into this data unless they really need to. And now with Daisy back, they need to get their story straight. And their story is going to be that it didn't happen. 
so then what happened with the Quinjet? The Quinjet comes. May knows she went to Baltimore. The Quinjet goes to Baltimore to, you know, following the seismic activity. And I just don't understand exactly how that all resolved itself. Um, I like everything up until this point. But when we get to this point, it was, just, it was jarring. There was no title that I remember um, um, telling it was present day. Or if there was, I didn't notice it when it when it came up, just like I didn't notice Stan Lee. Yeah, uh, I, I, I didn't see a, a, a title card either. Um, gosh, there's a term for that. Um, well, well, anyways. Yeah. So anyway, uh, overall, it's a worthy 23 minutes of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And I love that it follows a, a minor character and a minor character that we like and that is likable. Uh, I guess, I mean, that's my final word, I guess. I liked it. <laughs> and other than that little time jump at the end, uh, it was fun. It was fun to follow this character. And I was so glad this character got to interact with all the main characters of the show. This was not just Yo-Yo off on her mission meeting with new people. This was Yo-Yo interacting with every single person from the main cast, the, the current main cast, except for Radcliffe and, and Ada. Yeah. Um, well, I consider her part. She's, she's part of the team now. Um, and she's new. I mean, I say give her the chance to to have her own her own one shot because I don't think we've really had since her introduction. I don't think we've really had a solid yo-yo episode or or a yo-yo plot. Yeah, I I just mean when a lot of times when you get a, an episode like this, they don't pay the big actors to come in, you know, True. and it feels like okay, well we're gonna get yo-yo in here because she is the most recent and most minor of the major characters and we're going to have her go off on this mission and and meet new people because we can hire cheap extras and instead she's interacting with our main cast which just was refreshing i was glad that they went in that direction instead of this other kind of thing they could have done where it's just her off on this mission nope she's interacting and we we get to see her relationship with every single grouping. She doesn't have a strong relationship with Fitz Simmons. But that's okay. That was the cute episode. Uh, but she does have a strong relationship with May now, or a stronger one than we, than we thought. And we get to see her interact with with Daisy, both in the present day and you know on her on her quote unquote mission. And and so I'm glad they went in that direction with it. Yes, and and now I'm wondering. Um... How much in the future are we going to hear references to this um, this incident? Probably not much. <laughs> mm. Maybe maybe private conversations between Daisy and Yogo, or or Yogo and May, or maybe just little references. But I think there'll be references. The, the, the most logical places, like you said, uh, with Daisy and. Because we already have seen evidence of lots. There wasn't just that one time on the bus with them. And there wasn't just this time, you know, with with this original first place that they met. There there were lots of other ones. But I yeah, I don't I don't know. I, I don't think that there'll be a lot because. This wasn't aired in the same place. 
if that makes any sense. True. Um, otherwise, it becomes homework. You know, you, you <laughs> have to, in order for you to like this, you have to watch this other thing over here. And so you're not going to understand what our episode is talking about that we didn't show on TV unless you go and, and, and watch this. And I like that this adds to Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and adds to the character of Yo-Yo without being something you have to watch or you won't understand anything. Like if you miss an episode of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah, um, I guess it's sort of like those webisodes of Doctor Who during uh, Matt Smith's tenure. Um, I don't know if you watch Doctor Who or not. I do, but I didn't watch it. I didn't watch any of the uh, the Matt Smith episodes or webisodes, I should say. I did watch the uh, the War Doctor ones with the Eighth Doctor. Pat. Ah, yeah, that yeah. was that was great. Oh it was yeah, so cool to see him as the Doctor again. Oh yeah, it was. Um, um, yeah, if I think that they are all on Amazon Prime now, so you can go look that up. Um, but yeah, they're just fun little episodes um, about um, adventures that they had that they may have mentioned, um, or things that happen in between episodes. Um, yeah, it, it's 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 something that's fun to watch when you're having a few minutes of downtime. All right. Well, we need to wrap this this up. So, Samantha, okay. final word yes. on Slingshot. Um, oh, episode six. It's titled Hudicia. I do speak a little bit of Spanish. <laughs> um, so that J is an H sound. I, w- yeah. I wasn't going to say it. <laughs> That's why every other one I named the episode. This one I did not. Well, now you know you, you can ask me about Spanish pronunciations. Okay. <laughs> I don't pronounce them properly either, but I do have an education on that, I guess. <laughs> Better than mine, I can tell you that right now. I took two weeks of Spanish to impress a girl in college, <laughs> and it didn't matter. Oh, well. I was out of there. <laughs> That's okay. So I took sign language instead. Cool. All right. All right. Well, we're going to... We're going to shut this one down. We're going to wrap this one up. And I I just wanted to say that I think I figured out why uh, Daniel has been not appearing on the podcast. You know, he says it's because of lacrosse, but I think he was just unwilling to sign the podcastia accords. He just didn't feel comfortable with all of the things that were involved in signing that. He was okay with the retina scan, the thumbprint, the John Hancock. Uh, But he just, there was one part he just couldn't couldn't abide by even though i told him that i promise the medical exam will be strictly non-invasive thanks for listening to welcome to level seven you've heard us now we'd love to hear from you go to welcome to level seven.com slash feedback where you can contact us through our website you can also leave us a voicemail by calling 177 level seven 
can also join the lively conversation going on at facebook.com slash welcome to level seven or connect with us on twitter where we're level seven pod and remember the seven is spelled out our theme music is the light fantastic by js earls and you can find that at transplant.bandcamp.com welcome to level seven is a proud member of the noodle mix network find more of our award-winning and award-nominated podcasts to make you think laugh and succeed at noodle.mx learn how to podcast get productive in your personal and professional life theorize over tv shows laugh with our clean comedy delve into science fiction and philosophy learn critical thinking from movie reviews and more at noodle.mx and once again thanks for listening all right we're back and we're basically going to listen to evan talk about the spider-man homecoming trailer (laughs) because Stuart, what are your thoughts on the spider-man homecoming trailer it's it looks great it looks awesome it looks like what I expect a Spider-Man MCU movie to be. Yeah. Does it though? Which is, yeah. 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 It, it but, does to me too. It, <laughs> but see, here's the thing, Evan, I don't have 38 years. Cause I'm 38 now. I don't have 38 years of Spider-Man comic books. One might say weighing me down on this. <laughs> I have, I have three okay movies and two not so okay movies and that's it and then this trailer which looks amazing and a nice parents in civil war so what are your thoughts Ben? well and my my Evan. thoughts my, my thoughts are this you say you don't have that history i do have that history and i love that history i mean my history of spider-man goes back to the electric company with the spider-man who i don't remember him ever talking uh, but then also goes back to the 68 cartoon that was on after school when I would come home and, and I'd have to fight over the TV with my sister who got to watch Flintstones or who got to watch Spider-Man. We had one TV, two channels, mm. and mm. you know it was, it was this ongoing thing, but I loved watching that cartoon. Why? Because it was a superhero thing and it was on TV and it existed and I was alive, so it was going to be on. <laughs> <laughs> and and then I also had some comic books as well. And the comic books that I had were of college age Peter Parker and being that, that lovable loser. But then later on finding, you know, the older comics and reading about, you know, Peter Parker as you know, doing his high school thing. And I, I like the Peter Parker at the beginning of his career as Spider-Man. I like him at the middle of his career as Spider-Man. And I didn't really follow much at the end of his career as far as like the, the things they were doing with, with one new with brand new day and one more day where, you know, they rebooted him so that he would be single again. Yeah. Um, but I, I followed a run of, of Spider-Man right after issue, I think 300. And it was, you know, wow, this is weird. He's married to a supermodel. Okay. Interesting. Uh, Tom McFarlane was, was the artist on those that I was reading there. And, Honestly, it just there's so many different versions of Spider-Man. And then you had the Spider-Man cartoon, which was really good for the time. And then you had Spectacular Spider-Man, which was an incredible cartoon. And, and then I also was in on the beginning of Ultimate Spider-Man. I let that go after a little while because it just wasn't the Ultimate Universe was getting too big for me to follow the whole thing. And that's what I was wanting to do. But yeah, so I watched this trailer and I think to myself, all right, we got Tony Stark. We got um, some villain stuff going on. We've got some jokes going on. We've got some 
superhero action going on. We've got Iron Man flying next to Spider-Man as he's swinging. And we've got armpit webs. I mean, it's Spider-Man. Yes, armpit webs. It's, 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 it's high school Spider-Man. And he actually looks like he belongs in high school. It does. And that's a, that's a big... Did you guys know that Tom Holland actually went undercover in a Bronx high school for three days? I read that, yeah. It's kind of funny. Yeah, and he he like he told a guy that he was Spider Man and the kid didn't believe him. Well And so Of course he wouldn't, you know? Yeah, I just, he, and he said it was like it was it kinda drove home the point that yeah, Peter Parker would he would try that, and nobody would believe him either. And in fact, I was just watching a episode of Spectacular Spider-Man just before this podcast that we're doing now. And the very same situation happened to Peter Parker, where people were having a trouble believing that he was Spider-Man because somebody outed his identity. So funny stuff. So, Evan, you've got some yeah. strong feelings, though. I know you've got some strong feelings because I've heard some of them. So you're here. <laughs> Let's hear it. I am. Let's hear All your right. strong feelings about a movie that comes out in two years or a year and a half and hey, you, that we see two minutes of. This summer. Ben. So anyway, my strong feelings. Well, we all know that I, on this Marvel podcast, am a DC fan. And so most of the MCU stuff that comes out, it's great because I really have no emotional or any sort of attachment to any of the characters. So do whatever you want with them. And it's pretty cool. But Spider-Man, though, is my one Marvel character that I really care about. Because I grew up with him. He was my second comic book series I ever collected. I collected Young Justice and Ultimate Spider-Man. I collected over, well over 100, probably up into the 120s of Ultimate Spider-Man. Until they killed him the first time in the Ultimatum arc. Um, I've read a lot of Amazing Spider-Man also. Probably over a hundred issues or so of amazing or various other titles with him in it. So I really, I really like Spider Man. I feel like I've got a, and I've, I've watched lots of the TV show. That's my first uh, orientation to him was the '90s TV show, and then of course I love Spectacular Spider Man, and I actually really like that MTV CGI uh, Spider Man that they did with Neil Patrick Harris. I thought that was pretty cool too. Um, but anyway, I feel like I've got a good exposure to lots of different types of Spider Man. I've seen the Amazing Friends and everything. Obviously, my number oh, one. I forgot the Amazing Friends. Oh man! Yeah, yeah. Oh my goodness, was that a staple <laughs> of my childhood? <laughs> okay. So anyway, I I feel like I've, I've got a well-rounded view of him. Obviously, my favorite is Ultimate Spider-Man. I keep saying I'm a DC guy. Make mine DC every time, every day. But Ultimate Spider-Man is hands down my favorite comic book series of all time. Trumps anything else. And I just reread it. I just reread through it uh, for the past couple weeks. Um, not the whole thing, but most of it. And uh, it's just, it's just great. They just do a wonderful, wonderful job of of telling the story of Spider-Man. And so, and because of that, I mean, that's that's universally recognized, I think. And because of that, a lot of modern Spider-Man stories and in things they they steal from Ultimate Spider-Man for their. Uh, for their content. Uh, Amazing Spider-Man did that. Um, this one is doing that also. And so they, they steal from it, not steal it, but they use these elements from it. Yeah. Um, you know what I mean? Well, they, um, they've also, 
that's they've also done that with other other things too. I mean, look at the Ultimates and uh, Nick Fury and that, who's oh, literally absolutely. Sam Jackson. So yeah, which is they the actually, one I got. They actually, <laughs> one example I got when they made when they made the Ultimates comic book in the Ultimate Universe. They contacted Samuel L. Jackson and asked permission to use his likeness for Nick Fury, and he said yes. So then, obviously, when it was time to cast him for the movies, that's the guy yeah. they went with. Anyway. Beside the point. So strong feelings about the trailer. Um, first of all, I'm okay. We all know that my third nickname on the show, besides um, Low Rent Daniel Butcher, is Negative Ned. That's my self-given nickname because I've got some I've got some things to say here. So I really don't feel like it's a strong trailer. Like just in general, just as just as a person who's put together trailers before and. I don't know. I just I just feel like it's it's kind of like an unbalanced trailer. I mean, the stuff they show is cool. I just feel like the trailer assembly is kind of lackluster. Um, I think we were talking with Samantha in the the online chat we have going for the team, and the music, meh. Anyway, that's nitpicky stuff. It's the trailer. I wasn't as blown away by the trailer as everybody else was, I guess. Um, but part of the reason I think it was just because it was a lackluster format for the trailer. Um, couple things i really like was the the web the web armpits we already talked about that's pretty cool i'm liking the um i think he's doing a great job in the suit as spider-man i know he i know he said andrew garfield he did a good job in the suit as spider-man he was really good and i think tom holland's doing a great job also i love how they give him a new york accent do you guys feel do you guys feel the same way there yeah sure i i just watched the trailer and thought this looks like a fun movie i felt like it was a fun trailer that said Hey, you're going to have fun with this, at this movie and the trailer's job is to tell you what kind of movie you're going to get. And I feel like the trailer did its job. There's also two trailers and and oddly, I didn't watch the international I, one. Oh, I, I didn't either. Both There's two trailers, the international one and then the the domestic release. And the domestic release kind of has this, you know, oh look, we're 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 Disney Channel, we're um uh uh uh, teeny bopper movie and it's fun and I'm gonna stare at the girl and then drop my Death Star and then the um, <laughs> the the, uh, the international trailer is more like like an Iron Man movie okay <laughs> I mean it's, I'll have to it's, watch it's, that it's, it's darker it's moodier it's mm. um, you you there's more of um, Vulture is his name mm-hmm. uh, yes. Uh, Yes, there's more of him in it, um, and you get a little bit more sort of, I guess, action is maybe okay. the term. The term. Okay. So, I feel that they gave that the that the domestic trailer is going to be a good lead-in for, hey, this is different than your normal MCU movies. Now, once they get there, it's going to be the same. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's still going to be an MCU movie. But there's going to be a little bit more of a uh, an entry point, I think, for for other audiences. Um, okay, uh, I'll have to watch that international trailer. I'm excited to see that. Um, before we move on, just a couple more things that I didn't like about the trailer because I'm negative. I'm not I'm not a big fan of mixing. Uh, I guess that's a too general of a term. I didn't like that they have uh, Gonke Gonke, however you say his name. From Miles Morales, Spider-Man, he's Miles' best friend, 
And now in this, he's he's Peter's best friend. Now, it's not actually Ganke. That's not his name in the movie. What's his name, Ben? Ned in the Leeds. Movie? Ned Leeds, which apparently is a Spider-Man character from Peter Parker universe. But it is, it's just Ganke. And they've just changed his name. Ganke in the movie, he's a robust Asian child. And he loves to play with Legos. And he's knows Miles' secret identity, and they're hanging out together in their dorm room, and it's it's just him, and they've just changed his name. So I don't know how I feel about that. It's kind of cool that Spider-Man has a best friend, but it, it takes away a little bit from classic Peter Parker where he's just, it's him against the world in his secret, and he's he's the only one who has it, and he's going to try to keep it. Um, eh, I don't know. Another thing I don't really enjoy is the Peter Parker Avenger in training sort of thing. And I realized this was inevitable because of how they introduced him into the MCU. But that's – they did that in Ultimate Spider-Man at the very end. They were finally going to give him some training and induct him into the Avengers. In the Ultimate Spider-Man cartoon show on Disney XD, they did that right out of the gate. And I really, really, really do not like that show. Again, you don't and like so, fun. <laughs> the trailer says it's going to be a fun movie. Don't like the trailer. And Ultimate Spider-Man, that's a fun cartoon. It's a fun cartoon. It, you know what else is a fun cartoon? Spectacular Spider-Man. And they did just a great job handling Totally different audiences and totally different purposes. That's the thing. Yep. yep. Spectacular so, Spider-Man isn't just blatantly trying to sell toys and get people to watch MCU movies. I think you are against fun, Evan. I'm sorry. I was going to ask a follow-up question, and I realize it's just going to be met with. No, go uh, ahead, like Stuart. <laughs> okay, so so you, you're not liking um, the fact that they MCU'd some characters and they put him into a, an Avengers training. Were you hoping for more of a, a another another? origin story where uncle ben gets shot no 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 i wasn't hoping for that but i was hope like one of the things i was just hoping for more things that i like about peter parker and one of the things that i like about peter parker is that he is it's it's him by himself most of the time like even though he's friends with the avengers and stuff um it's it's still just him alone against the world most of the time even though and, he spent more time married than not in the comics, yeah. Well, I mean, you could say that he's the 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 loner. He had a comic book title called Marvel Team Up. Yes, that was yes, him teaming up and with, and it ran forever. Well, yeah. also, also, isn't I mean, Spider Man's one of the one of the first characters Stan created, right? Uh, yeah, I mean, he, he's, he's toward the beginning, yeah. Mm-hmm. He, he so my my point is that he's been around a very long time, and in this segment alone, we've talked about like what ten or fifteen iterations of the character. So this is just another one of those. I know, but it it totally they're is. Ta- they're taking a lot of the my least favorite parts of other iterations and mixing them all together into this one movie. Okay, so. Eh. The Vulture looks cool. I will say that. And he is not a very strong villain to me in the comic books. But they are making him look pretty sweet. And Michael Keaton, I believe in him. I think it's going to be great. Um, 
Do you, are you no, a fan no, of the comics, Ben? Am I what? Are you a fan of Vulture in the comics? Not really. Yeah. I mean, with Spider-Man, the villains tend to be kind of metaphorical representations of things he's dealing with in life, you know? So you have, um, you know, his, his best friend's dad is a bad guy. Yeah. And, you know, and he has, you know, Dr. Uh, Octopus kind of represents that scientist professor kind of thing, you know, where, and so you have these different things that are happening and, and the villains in Spider-Man's life tend to be a part of Peter Parker's life one way or another. And so with the vulture, the thing I always liked about the vulture is that he's old and he's, he, he's kind of the old guy versus, you know, Peter Parker's youth and, and Peter Parker as a young man. So, but he's not, he's not a hero or I should say he's, he's not a villain that when I say, Oh, Vulture's on that cover. I'm buying that. It's yeah. not, not at all. Yeah. yeah. So I, I wonder if they had to use uh, maybe a lesser known. I mean, how known is Vulture in the, in the, I mean, you guys know him, but you guys are. Common. He's yeah. He's a pretty, I mean, he's part of the rogues gallery. He's not like obscure. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, because, because they've had what five movies now. And so how are you going to replace you know, I, yes. Ultimately, we should get um, the 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 goblin, right? We should get him at some point, right? Okay. I hope that would be um, nice. But how are they gonna? I mean, it, let, let me put it. Measle, go ahead. Let me put it this way: I feel like there are several other Spider-Man villains that, on paper, would have looked a lot better than Vulture. But what they've done with him. It looks pretty sweet, and I understand that it's. And they're taking another page from Ultimate Spider-Man, where the Vulture is uh, getting his tech from the Tinkerer, another Spider-Man villain, and uh, you know, and they, and they've talked about how if this is a world where a teenager can get superpowers and and you know some stuff and, and go out and fight crime, there are regular Joe Schmo criminals out there who are able to get this, their hands on the same sort of stuff, mm-hmm. and we really haven't seen it much of that in the MCU it's been the big huge gigantic bad guys and we've we've got to see a little bit of that in the, the Netflix stuff um and i think this is just it's it's more fleshing out this these are just career criminals they're in it for the cash and that sort of thing and they've got the the toys and so and they're getting that at least the vulture is getting his from the tinkerer so that's at least two villains um in the show it looks like the tinkerer is probably going to be a background guy but that's still i like that i, I think it's cool um, and I'm, I'm interested to see what they do with with the vulture because it doesn't seem like he in the movie is connected to Peter Parker's personal life. Um, but in the Ultimate Spider-Man comics, he would often come up against guys he has no interpersonal connection with, but then they take it as a personal vendetta just to destroy this Spider-Man and only halfway through the arc do they finally realize, wait, this kid's just a kid. He's like 15 years old. What the heck? And then it makes him even more angry than they try to go after his, his life outside of the suit. Yeah. So I think there's possibilities. All right. Well, I think we've talked about a two minute trailer long enough. We have, um, we talked about this more than we talked about the guardians of the galaxy trailer, but again, 
the Guardians of the Galaxy trailer says, hey, remember Guardians of the Galaxy? You liked that. Here's part two. And I I just feel like this, this Spider-Man trailer was trying to say, remember those other Spider-Man movies? Well, you like the character, but now Robert Downey Jr. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Which this, I... is, this is this is that. This is hey. By the way, you like MCU movies, right? Right. And you like Spider Man, right? Right. You like Civil War. You're gonna like those. You know, we got some chocolate. We got some peanut butter. Put them together. And they taste together, great, baby. All right, time to shut this one down, guys. So thanks for coming on to. <laughs> Yell at Spider-Man to get off your lawn. (laughs) Not Spider-Man. Spider-Man can stay. It's just homecoming to get off your lawn. Yeah. (laughs) Are you going to see it, Evan? Oh, (laughs) yeah. Opening night. He'll be there opening night. Yes. It's not like I'm not going to see it. Yeah. And you should concerns. Just concerns is all. As which you are entitled to as you are a fan. Um, you should watch the international trailer. I will. I will. And I'm not. I'm not down. I'm not necessarily down on the movie. I just have concerns because you can make anything good, theoretically. You can make anything good. Mm-hmm. So I, I strongly I, believe that. I believe you can take any character. There's no such thing as a bad character. It's just what gets done with the character mm-hmm. that makes it bad. And and the it, things they have done with the elements that I've seen in the trailer, the things they've done with them before, I've not enjoyed. But hopefully, the movie will be great, and the, they, what they do with the, car- the the stuff that I didn't like, I will like in this new thing. So, that is my hope. We will find out. Yes. Mm-hmm. We in will find months. out. All right, guys. Thanks for coming on and talking. And we'll See ya. talk again soon. Thwip, thwip.